0: Welcome to the HU Movemakers Podcast, where we highlight folks that are blazing the trail and making moves in Howard culture. Welcome to the HU Movemaker Podcast, where we highlight folks in Howard culture that are blazing the trail and making moves. Today, we got a special guest in a building, special guest, man, from Dallas. Huh. Yes, sir. The inventor, the creator, the curator, a thousand bottles. Yes, it's him. He's here. Drill Grill, yeah. Brunch King, this man has cost me a lot of money, man, a lot of sleepless nights <laughs> going up against this guy, man, I don't appreciate it, man, from the School of Business, yeah, NYU yeah. 2008, Masters in Music, currently working with uh, Burrell Communication. Yeah, shout out to that, that big Toyota account, that Toyota bag that he's currently Ooh. getting. Shout out to that, man. But, yo, Steve Owens, welcome to the show, man.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me, bro. Thanks for having me, bro. Um, And all that you mentioned, bro, a lot of that wouldn't be possible without big bros like you, you know, trailblazing before I was even there. Um, You know, throwing parties, uh, curating events, marketing to the Howard crowd. You know, I learned from the OGs and you definitely want them. So I appreciate, appreciate the love.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you coming on and, and, you know, taking it to another level, man. So thousand bottles, man. Let's start with that. Okay. You know, I I celebrated my bachelor party at thousand bottles, bro. Oh, you know really? that, <laughs> I, <didn't> know that. <laughs> I celebrated my bachelor party. This I'm a promoter and I paid for a table. You know what I mean? Yeah. We was at thousand, yeah. but I think, um, my guy, BJ, he was like, yo, thousand bottles is where you need to have your bachelor party. I was like, man, homecoming. Mm-hmm. Well, I got a party doing homecoming. I want all my boys to to be there. And it's crazy because my original wedding date was on the same day as homecoming. So, you know, I had to move Ooh. that. Yeah. I had to move the wedding <laughs> date. I had to Just move the wedding For personal date, reasons. <laughs> man. Yeah, man. But well, my wife understood. Yeah. So tell me, man, talk to me about a thousand bottles. Like, how did that come about? Um, so it came about, it was actually a collaboration between,
1: uh, one of our best friends and my old business partner, Jason Foster, and then, um, a couple of younger, uh, bison that we knew, uh, Francis Roberts and, uh, James Murray. So they had BE Entertainment. We were trying to get our thing, our uh, party thing going with TGL, and we decided, hey, we're going to take a leap of faith and do a homecoming party. We're going to actually put down that big deposit on the venue, rent everything out and just kind of learn on the fly. Besides that, we had just, you know, hey, we go to a club, rent it out for the night, you know. But this is like a whole different, different thing. And um, it was originally called HU Legacy, because we wanted to make sure that we wanted to include like the last five years, six years of Howard. And we wanted the party to be a legacy, something that could continue on. Um, And this is right after. And this is a couple years after love had shut down. So there was that kind of space where that people were trying to figure out what to do. And we just kind of came in at the right moment uh, for a Friday night party. Um, I think one day I was just tweeting and I heard something on something on some song. I think it was a Meek Mill song. He said, I got a hundred bottles. And I said, well, why don't we have a thousand bottles? We're going to have 1,000 people. Everybody should be having a bottle. That's the kind of party we want to have. It's going to be all for a thousand bottles. And it just took off from there. Um,
0: so what, what goes into doing a production like that, man? Because when I went, it was literally like a 1,000 bottles there, man. And I remember, yeah. I think I went, I, I went by early and seen y'all like setting up, just bringing in all these bottles and bottles like everybody's on the yard. Y'all at the Howard Theater working. This is like 3 in the afternoon, 12 p.m. (laughs) Y'all working, man.
1: Yeah. um, Right before I get to that, I just, I can't do this without making sure I shout out, rest in peace to Will Worley. He was a big part of, he started the Alcohol Heroes hashtag on Twitter, which really took our party (laughs) from being, you know, just another homecoming party to like something that was really trending amongst Howard people, so Definitely, you know, um, rest of power to him. But yeah, man, um, the first one we had was actually at a, what's the name of that place? Um, it was, it wasn't at Howard Theater. It was at another venue, but it was, it was like wide open space. So we had to rent that, we got an education on the fly of how to rent uh rent furniture rent lighting wear dj equipment caterers because we had to have food um and then trying to figure out how to transport hella bottles that we actually bought from somewhere else in new york down to dc so uh, a story that a lot of people don't know is that it we james drove the bottles down from new york and he drove them down in a u-haul and he ran a red light around the corner from the venue and he almost got pulled over. Uh, well, no, he did get pulled over and they checked the back of the truck. But the way everything was positioned, we had the juice in front of all the liquor. So they didn't see the liquor. They just did a quick scan and let him go. So it was almost no thousand miles. <laughs> it's very close to being no. Yo, that would
0: have been a problem, bro, because people spend good money on them tickets, dog.
1: Yeah, that would have been a major problem.
2: But So uh, what, you back.
1: know? Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, moving to Howard Theater the next year made it a lot smoother. We just had to deal with the alcohol, but, I mean, they had it in-house, um, obviously, but we had to separate all the tables. So, um, like me and you had a conversation before, like, homecoming is very fun and you get to see a lot of people, but it's also work for us. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're working. We're trying to come out to fest for a second and check out some check out some people, but, It's a lot of work
0: goes into that event, bro. Hey, this is Joe Biden. Listen, I know times are tough, and there's a lot of fear out there. But I also know America will come back strong if we've got the right leadership. We can
2: get kids back in school, folks back to work, back to their lives safely if we do it together. So thanks for listening. I'm Joe Biden, candidate for president. And I approve this message. Paid for by Biden for president. A
0: ton of work, man. I mean, what is it like when, you know, to create something like that? That At this point, that's a staple event in a lot of people's homecoming experience, man. And, and how long has Thousand Bottles been going on? It's,
1: it started in 2011. So this would have been the ninth year.
0: So you know, I, I always say like, you know, you can't talk about how we're homecoming without talking about certain things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Thousand bottles. If you was to write the history of how we're homecoming, you 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 gotta mention it <laughs> somewhere. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? It has to be mentioned. You know what I'm saying? What is it like to to create an event, and then you go on to you know you look in Eventbrite and tickets just moving. You know what I mean? It's it's one of the
1: greatest feelings in the world, man. I remember we we like I I, be, I believe it was the second year. I don't know if it was the first year. I think it was the second year when we moved to Howard Theater. There were a couple of points where Eventbrite like shut down, and we got emails like we're no longer able to accept ticket purchases at this at this time. Right <laughs> now, like it, <laughs> Eventbrite shut down a couple of times on us because everybody was just trying to buy tickets at the same time, and it really kind of Kind of spoil me because <laughs> now I feel like I got to, if I do an event, it's got to be a thousand people. It's got to sell out in a week. It's got you yeah. know, so it's kind of at that high of like those first few years of when we were doing it, and it's still popular now. But like that rush of getting used to that and getting used to you know that really being in demand, uh party and, and just creating an experience that people will remember and people talk about. Like, I've had people down here in Dallas tell me that they've heard about Thousand Bottles.
0: And y'all, y'all have had some, some pretty dope artists perform. And I see that part of the, the business model is to for people to come to expect the unexpected. Because when I went, I think, um, I don't know if it was Bobby Smurder. I, I don't know which one I went to. And I was like, looking, I was like, is that such and such on the stage? <laughs> like, perform, like, you know what I mean? Like, where, where did that yeah. come from? Yeah, um,
1: we just were, we wanted to do something to make it special. Um, at the time, I had just uh, stopped working at Wire Laid Off from Epic Records. So I still had some relationships there, and I believe Bobby had just gotten signed there. Um, so I used one of my connections to, to kind of talk to his people, and they were down to do it. Um, and we kept everything really hush-hush. Only the DJs knew, I think. There was Chase and Chubb were the DJs that night, the DJ and host. And they were the only people outside of like our core group that knew. And when he came out, like the whole room just exploded. And that that was that was same year, like the uh of course he had <clears throat> his song, but they, there was like a viral video going around of people dancing and doing the Smurter the smirter dance yeah. inside of the punch out. And so it was like perfect timing. And um yeah, we were able to put it together. The team was able to get it done and it, it, it worked out amazing, bro.
0: Damn, who else, what other artists have you had perform at Thousand Bottles? Um, we've had I
1: believe just one other artist perform it was uh Lil Uzi Vert. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. He performed like I think it was two years after that, two or three years. Um there were some there were some almost, a lot of almost. Like uh Cardi B was supposed to wow. perform but she got, she just start, but like the timing has to be just right. Like bubbling right around the time when I can still afford you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And she kind of took off a little bit too fast. So, um, but, uh, that was one of them. Travis Scott came to one of the, we branched off and did thousand grads. So Travis Scott came through, um, to celebrate Chase, um, Chase's birthday, Chase DJ that night, Chase, be obviously Howard Grad. so how do you
0: keep the brand going man because you know it's so much competition man you know at the end of the day people do want to go to a dope party but people also want to be where their class is going to be at too you know what i mean so for me you know i'm 39 so when i look up it ain't too many of my my classmates They had yard fest now, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. They had the tailgate, but they, they, they tapping out, you know what I mean? Whereas before when I first started, everybody was going to everything, you know, how Mm -hmm. do you keep a, keep a brand going so that you could, you know, tap into a new market and, you know, remain relevant, you know, when you're competing against other up and coming promoters? Couple
1: things we we tried to like transition our focus out of thousand bottles and kind of kind of lean on some younger promoters like um, Paradigm and Playmakers, kind of partnering up with them to to help still bring people to thousand bottles. And then um, we also started the All Howard Gala, which um, kind of the same conversation. Like people were getting older, people didn't they wanted to go out and party, but they wanted to go out with their people. So the gala, we shifted everybody, kind of the original people that went to Thousand Bottles, shifted them over to a different venue, which opened up a whole new era for Thousand Bottles and then, you know, gave us another brand to, to, to produce or another event to produce on that Friday night. Now, are these
0: events going up against each other at the same time? Yeah. Wow. That's, yeah. that's kind of risky, man, to kind of throw two parties at once. Especially, we're don't, we not don't talking about parties where you got to get 100 people in there, you know?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, so. all, I've always believed in, like, swinging for the fence. So, like, mm-hmm. when I, when we first did Thousand Bottles, there were a lot of people saying, maybe you should start off. Because that was our first real homecoming party. So, it was a lot of people saying, you should start off with three or 400 people, get you a club where you don't have <laughs> a lot of you know, a lot of overhead, but we just swung for the fence and we, you know, we hit. And so when we did the gala, um, it was kind of the same thing. We are like, we know we have, we got to strike while the iron's hot and we can't let, you know, the brands get stale. We can't let our, our influence get
0: cold. So
2: um
0: it was a risk, but it, so far it's, it's paid off pretty
2: well.
0: Oh, that's dope, man. So, so you, you get, uh, you do the, um, Oh Howard Gala, and then I, I want to say you was, you, you guys were one of the first to do make brunches lit too. I mean it was always I want to say the the joint that was at like Barcode and the other one, but I want to say that I just happened to just I, I just like stopped by y'all joint like let me just stop I was like damn this shit homecoming going to Sunday, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you know the the brunch kings man. I mean, I mean just tell me like. The competitive, just talk about the competition, man. It just goes into homecoming. Obviously, um, auto parties. I mean, there's some, it's probably, I mean, how many promoters, how many entities would you say are kind of like relevant during homecoming it's when it comes to like parties? It's a lot, man. And I, I don't, I don't want to, in case I leave anybody out, I don't want anybody to
1: feel disrespected. There's a lot of great, uh, Howard promoters, um, it's, it's competition. Most of it, I would say, is friendly. <laughs> but, uh, like, I think between me and you, I think our competition has always been friendly. We've all been, always been forthcoming about what we're doing, trying not to butt heads with each other. But there, and even trying to collab sometimes, um, I think that uh, I ended up grouping up with a collective called Go Ham. Um, mm-hmm. ha- uh, Howard at the Mecca is what they use, for, or what we use for Ham. Um, so we, it's a paradigm, major, um, and playmakers. So that's three different groups coming together to all collaborate and throw parties for different age groups, and not try to, uh, you know, overtake anybody else's crap. Um, try not to step on each other's feet. So that's that consolidated like three, you know, four of us. And then um, there's new people that pop up every year, you know, um, that compete. And so we just try to do what we can to stay relevant. There's enough people that come every year to where everybody should be able to eat. So I don't ever want to. That's what everybody out. say when they're on top.
0: Somebody <laughs> what you say when you on top. <laughs> it's enough for everybody, y'all.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, I, I try not, I try to just make sure that we are creating great experiences for people. And then that way people will come back, whether it, no, that's if, real. That, if that means that, you know, um, well, the ticket prices aren't what they are. We <laughs> got We got bills. It takes a lot of money to throw these parties, which I think a lot of people misinterpret. Yeah, people don't it. know,
0: man. I mean, a lot of these parties, you know, they break even forty, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 a lot of times, yeah. you know? So, and Yeah, so we just try to
1: concentrate on throwing the best events we can, making the right collabs and partnering up with the right people to try to make – because at the end of the day, it's about the experience. I mean, it it is about the check, but more so it's about the experience everybody has because that's what they're going to remember. That's what they're going to tell their friends about. That's what's going to keep them – or that's going to be the difference between them deciding to come to your party next year or to go to someone else's or to even come to homecoming every year. Like, I – I lived in New York immediately after graduation, so it was nothing to come back down. But a lot of people move all over the country. So it's like an actual investment for them to come into D.C. and spend all that money that weekend. So I just want to make sure that people have a great experience when they do that.
0: You know, talk about the business, man, about, of homecoming. Obviously, you got one aspect where you make money off ticket sales, mm-hmm. um, which is common. But you know what goes into getting sponsorship and negotiating uh bar guarantees and and rental fees like talk about your approach like when you're planning an event
2: mm-hmm.
1: um a lot of it uh is relationships um so when I go into planning an event. I try to see what what relationships who who do I know that's done something at that venue? Can you tell me how I was working with the management um are they willing to negotiate on the prices? So I kind of try to do my research before I go in um if there's nobody, I've done some cold calls and you know cold emails and reached out um, but venues pretty much th- what you have to realize is yes, you want that venue so you can throw a party so that you can. You know, create these experiences and make a little money, but they're also in they're in sales, so they're trying they're trying to get you to rent out the venue just as much as you're trying to rent out the venue. So I try to keep that in mind when negotiating and trying to get you know the better price or a better bar guarantee on certain things. Now it does change at homecoming because it's a lot of promoters trying to get the same venues. So you know, um, there's a little, but there's usually a little wiggle room. As far as sponsorships, man, I've just been blessed to kind of create some great uh, relationships, um, especially with Diageo. I think since day one, they sponsor just about all of our events, um, whether it be Crown Royal or Surratt, uh, whether it be homecoming or outside of homecoming, um, I usually try to turn to them. And it's very important to um, at least, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with going with other brands, but. I think as far as relationships are concerned, you have to reach out to the people that it shows you love first and kind of give them the first right of refusal. Like so I always reach out to them first to see uh what it is before I consider going to somewhere else. Cause that they I'm loyal to them and so they've been loyal to me um for years.
0: Tell me about some of the merch, man. One of the things I bought from y'all was that um that that fighting Negro joint, man. <laughs> <laughs> do y'all do y'all yeah. still have that? Um,
1: we still, we don't really sell it, uh, sell a lot of old Howard stuff anymore. Uh, we kind of, well, we did get a cease and desist from the university. Um,
0: so we still need to, we, um, uh, try no, to No, desist. I'm in the cease and desist club too, bro. Already, <laughs> already. <I'm> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm in the cease and desist club too, man. The boat ride, dog. Uh, they, they, they hit me with the, I wasn't even thinking. I was calling it the, the, the Howard. Alumni Yada Fair. I'm like, yo, lit name, let's get it popping. But once it's I got the cease and desist, we was already it. sold out. So it was, you yeah. know, I just changed the name.
2: Yeah.
1: So yeah, we um kind of started off uh with old Howard. Well, we we had our TGL gear, that's the gift of life, and then we uh our partner Jason came up with uh old Howard. And so we it was just something we were saying around our friends, like you know, we noticed that the younger group of Howard Alum or people that were still there, people we'd seen at homecoming, we just felt like we were a little bit different, which I'm sure everybody under oh, those young those kids, you know, those young boys, whatever. And so we just started calling ourselves old Howard and then in turn we called them New Howard. So we started making some merch kind of just for friends and people were like, Hey, I want one of those. So we would sell it generally around homecoming and stuff. And um, it kind of just old Howard kinda took off on its own, and everybody started using it on merch and 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 uh, what you call it parties and everything else. I should we should have did a better job of handling our business with it, but it, it kind of just was a that
0: joint took off, man. It took
1: off. It was just a phrase that we used, and it kind of took off. We should have trademarked it day one, but you know, it is what man, it's y'all would y'all
0: would have been hitting cash with the cease and desist. All <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> damn just like that man you on the other side so right. the i mean are y'all still selling selling merch um here and there um
1: right now we kind of i kind of shifted to um a different kind of merch so i start i started a candle company okay um with my girlfriend she went to uh famu um so we uh we started a candle company, and we're trying. We do like lifestyle candles, as we call lifestyle scented Luxe candles. I think I got that right. She'll probably kill me, but um, they're kind of geared towards stuff we were do we couldn't do while we were on quarantine, and then also music vibes. Like we have a candle called Nothing Even Even Matters, so that's kind of it. Kind of is geared towards the song Nothing Even Matters by uh, Lauren Hill, and it comes with a play, its own playlist. So we kind of shifted from, since I didn't know if I was gonna be able to do homecoming this year, actual physical events, I was like, we could create these candles. What if we did some candles with homecoming vibes and create a kit of home, how you could take homecoming home. So um, that's kinda, that's been more of my focus rather than, you know, the, the clothing.
0: Like how, how much, like were you doing parties before you um, did homecoming? Um, yeah,
1: I was doing, um, I actually started promoting in school. I started promoting, uh, with LGI. Um, you remember the name Javier? He's a promoter in Miami now, but, uh, I think the biggest party I threw, we still like house parties. And then I started working with LGI doing club parties. I think the biggest thing we threw before homecoming though was latex. So okay. the
2: Louisiana and Texas club.
0: Yeah, that was, that was a pretty legit party. So when you, you know, how much has Howard, like the ability to add value to what's already a huge weekend, how much has that like changed the way you approach business and relationships with people?
2: Um. Well, Howard, Howard is definitely, um, it's always something that we, that I do not say I bring it
1: up in every conversation, but it's definitely a conversation starter. People want to know more about how or they want to know about homecoming. And then if they already do know and you know, they have heard about some they hear about homecoming and then hear that I'm one of the people that help bring those homecoming experiences to life. It's definitely helped in um job interviews and just meeting people and networking. Um but you know. I try to use the experiences and the network that I have from, from going to Howard and from doing these parties to kind of just help in any other business endeavor that I'm trying to do. I have a lot of homies that could probably be considered mentors that I can, you know, ask for questions, ask questions about, you know, this market or that market or what do you think about this? And, you know, it's kind of
0: helped me to, to, to get in the position I am today. Give me like your top. Two or three like finesse text messages that you get from people who trying to get in free. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man. Um, I, have, uh, I have some friends, they know who they are, who will wait until, like I'm literally on my way to the venue. Like, yo, Steve, I got like five or six chicks with me. I'm straight tonight, right? Where can I pick up my wristbands? Mind you, all day I've been giving out wristbands to the pe like people that purchased them or homies or whatever. And so I had to get to the point where I don't even distribute the wristbands anymore. Like I just I give a friend, here are the wristbands for our group, and that's all y'all can have. Anybody else, I don't know. But um, that would be one and then there's been some um Usually around I guess September, there are some, some girls or some women that get a little bit more cozy, and like hey friend, and you know let's go have, <laughs>
2: da, 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 da.
1: and I can kind of tell after after the first couple of years, you can kind of tell that okay it must be homecoming season because people are getting a lot
2: a lot of more friendly.
0: You get the uh, where's your party at <laughs> tonight? <laughs> like the little intro text where your party at or uh get, what's yeah, another one um yo you at the what's door what's the cover what's the cover <laughs> <laughs> bro I've been, I've been selling tickets for
1: 3 months what are you talking about
0: <laughs> right i just re- i just replied with the eventbrite link like yo it's right here so where where does this uh business acumen come from man cuz it's you know you you went into parties and you you figure out a way to get paid off parties, whether it's from sponsors um uh, you negotiating the the bar deal um then you come up with the merchandise um Where does the business side of things for you come from? Was that something that you always had, or did you develop it?
1: Um, I think I had a little bit of it my just my father always instilled in me to work hard and to go after you know whatever your dream may be, even if he supported it or even, even if he didn't agree with it, he always, both my parents really always supported, you know, when I wanted to be a rapper or when I wanted to be a producer. Um So just the, that, that kind of hustle mentality of trying to get, you know, after that was the hustle mentality of trying to get my music out there. Um And then that kind of led me into knowing these promoters and DJs and, and and that, I was like, well, if I can get this many people to listen to my song, why can't I get this many people to pay to come into this place to listen to song, songs that are much greater than mine? So, um, it just kind of developed, man. I was throwing, like I said, I would, we were throwing house parties freshman year, and it was just, it was a rush of once you feel that rush of people coming to the door to something that you thought of in your dorm room, like, it's like a high, bro. Like the money is great. And you know, it helped me a lot in business, just dealing with different types of people and networking and stuff like that. But it's really that rush of putting together that experience that, and then it paying off in the end.
0: You know, yeah. what do you think a lot of promoters go wrong? I think um, it's two things. I think it's,
1: overestimating your juice or your, you know, how much you have and then it's underestimating the amount of work you have to put in. So, um, I'll start with the second one. So like, like you said, it's a lot of work, especially building a party, building a space out from the ground up. That is like, probably one of the hardest things I've, I've ever done because I'm not an interior decorator. I'm not a DJ or a sound engineer. I'm not. So I'm going around, I'm having to lean on again, my friends and friends and family to help to put this together. And we're it's piece by piece. There's all these moving pieces and I have to manage that. And that really helps me in, in what I do, you know, do day to day at it, it, whether it's I doing a, uh, a, in, uh, experiential marketing now but even when I was working other jobs it helped me to be able to manage all these moving pieces going along and then um even when you're in a bar like if I just throw a party at a bar and I don't have to bring anything except my DJ and myself you still have to really be in people's faces but just enough not to be annoying but to get your point across to get them to come to the party because I do know some promoters who, like, people will hit me, like, why does this guy keep hitting me up about coming to his park? <laughs> I don't, I don't want to go because he keeps hitting me up. I'm like, I don't know. I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very fine line between, you know, sometimes people think that there's a personal relationship there when it's not, and they just think of you as a promoter. So you have to know how to deal with those type of people. And it's, it's just a lot, of, it's a lot of work that goes into it. And then jumping out, you have to know the right time to jump out and make that leap of faith to rent out a venue and go for those big bucks. Cause I think yeah. sometimes, sometimes people want to do that because they see like, Oh, well, here's thousand bottles or here's the, the movemaker party or everything. Like they're doing this and they're older. Like you said, I'm 25. I should be able to get all my 25 year old friends to do. It. They don't understand how much work, money, time, effort that goes into that. And they don't, and they may think that they have more pull than that, than they actually do cuz you're competing with these established established parties you're competing with you know people that have done this for years and made mistakes and have relationships so yeah man it's it's rough man if if anybody is trying to start out today what i would say is to reach out to somebody that's been doing it it doesn't have to be me it doesn't have so- to be you but to reach out to somebody that's doing it right now and just see can can I get on your team and help out because I want to learn. They may so say, how should they? How should
0: how should somebody reaches out? Mm-hmm. Cool. I want twenty five percent. I want fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> nah, <man. laughs> it's a no for me. But <laughs> no, I think it's more
1: along the lines of if you really want to do it, you need to take some time out to learn. Right. Like it can't be about it can't be about the money. At least not the first time. Like Mm -hmm. you need to, you know, if you really let me let me sit on the conference calls, let me, you know, tell me what's I'll reach out to the venues and coordinate with the you know, stuff copy me on the emails just so I can see. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay somebody to teach them. You know what I'm saying? But I will try to teach somebody who, who will help. If somebody's helping me out by doing, even if it's just some little stuff, I'll try to teach them as much as I can because, um, you know, I, I can't do it forever and I want other people to flourish. So I'll pass down my knowledge, but <laughs> I can't
0: pay nobody to pass. So what about, um, like, at, at this point, we, we both know, like, what deals we want to take. You know, mm-hmm. like, obviously nobody's going to be like, yeah, um, everybody to say your name at the door, we give you five bucks or something like that. Or mm-hmm. I'm going to put you on this type of tally. But at the same time, that is kind of how you got to get started in a sense. Cause yeah. as the person who's you or myself, you know, as the person who is taking all the risk and putting all of the money down and has relationships, you know, you're not gonna give anybody a an equity position, so to say, mm-hmm. who especially if they don't have no skin in the game right um right. Have you ever had a like talk about the deal that you maybe started off with versus like a type of deal that you would go for now?
2: yeah,
1: so I get when I was starting out, it was more so. Like that, it was more so like, hey, we're going to give you, this is back in the days when you actually had to pass out flyers, physically yeah. door to door, put them under, do dorm sweeps and stuff like that. So it was literally <laughs> like, hey, bring bring the flyer <laughs> and how we're going to count the flyers at the end of the night and we're going to pay you per flyer that people bring in. So you, you begin to learn that, hey, um everybody that I tell to come is not going to bring that flyer. So I could have, I could be missing out on money. Um, I guess it's it's different now because, you know, there's affiliate links and stuff like that. So um, the deals that I kind of go for now is more so, like you said, equity. Um, I know that I have a certain amount of people on my list. I have a certain, on my email list and in my, uh, that I have reached toward um, on Instagram and Facebook and things of that nature. And so I feel like, I'm gonna go in. I think I can create value. If I don't think I can create value, but you still want me to help, I may still help you out. If you're if you're one of my people, like I have some, I have some homies that. Hey, Steve, you know we got this party. It's doing pretty good, but we want you to bring a little bit older crowd. We know you got the old Howard crowd, duh, 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 duh. but you know the bar deal is, isn't that great. Duh, duh, duh. I might say, you know what, I'm gonna look out for you now. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You look out for me later when it's when it's homecoming time or when it's trail girl time or when it's something like that. I'll go ahead and do a blast now. Cause again, it's about relationships. But um it's gonna have to those those um per person you bring to the party deals, that's only when you're <laughs> you starting out. But you if if you're gonna do those, I would tell anybody starting out, the most important thing you can do is collect data. is just like what Facebook is doing, Instagram, Twitter, every, every company in the world, Google, they're collecting data. And that data is valuable. That's going to be your, besides your relationships, that data is probably the most valuable
0: thing. So along those lines, man, I mean, when you collaborate, do you, you always share the data? Um, it that that can get sticky sometimes, you know? Yeah. Um, it depends. The people that
1: have equity usually get the data. If it's like a sub like once you start getting to the
2: sub-level
0: of promotion, then you're probably not gonna get that data. How do you how do you protect your data?
2: Um
1: I guess it's more so of protecting who I work with, right? Because I know that if I start if I start blasting out for somebody that I can't vouch for, that's not part of my team or whatever, you know, the the people that come back, you're starting to slowly get some of my data because you're slowly getting the emails, and some of my crowd are coming over and paying attention to you. So I try to you, I try to not, I said, pull out the email blast until uh, unless I know, you know, this is somebody who I can trust, who I, who I know that I'm probably going to work with again, or who I can also get some data from. So Mm -hmm. there have been times when I worked in other markets that I'm not as familiar in and we're like, Hey, we're both going to promote. And you know, we're going to share the data at the end. So I know that if I'm in a new market, that data is more valuable to me than my data probably is to him. So, Mm you know, or her. So, um, yeah, man, it's it's all about like you said, protecting it, but also exchanging data. Like you have to be able to, in this game, you have to be able to
0: collaborate with people. So let's let's talk about man how this this monster was created, man. So when when did you come into Howard?
1: I uh, came into Howard
2: two
0: thousand and two. Oh, uh, you came in in oh two, and um, so talk to me about what was it like. Uh, what was it saying when you got to Howard? Well, first of all, what, what made you choose Howard?
1: Um, funny, story, funny story, I applied to Howard because Diddy went to Howard. I'm going <laughs> to tell you the God honest truth. <laughs> I, I um, was applying from Texas, Dallas, and I was applying to mostly Texas schools. Um, I knew I wanted to go to college, but Howard and HBCUs, I knew of like Howard and Morehouse, and that was it. So I applied to both of those. I got into both. The reason I actually went to Howard is because they just gave me more scholarship money, um, so it came down to to the numbers. But it was one of the best
0: decisions that I ever made. What What was it like when you got on campus? Um, it was definitely um
1: a lot different from Texas. Um, I remember driving through, I mean, when you see college on TV, it looks like this grand, these grand buildings and a great neighborhood and everything's like about learning and sitting outside and out, like on campus at Howard, that's how it was. But around campus, it's the, it's the different DC than it is today. So I remember my dad driving me down the street and looking back in the car, like, you sure you want us to drop you off here? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going I'm to thug it out um, and see. But it was definitely a culture shock. But fortunately, I had a couple friends that I knew from Dallas that went, they were in my same class. And, you know, our network quickly grew to our, you know, little circle of friends, most of which were from the South. Now, what, what, what
0: organizations were you involved in on campus? Uh, on campus, uh, probably the biggest one would be Phi Sigma Pi. Um, I rest in peace like, with Phi Sig, man. Rest oh, in peace. Yeah. <laughs> great, great organization, man. Great organization. Yeah, definitely a great organization. I have a lot
1: of, you know, we're both obviously in Phi Sig. I have a lot of great friends from Phi Sig, uh, meeting them in Phi Sig. And, um, but yeah, that, I think the only other – I was at the radio at WHPC and then also uh, EPP. But outside of that, it was like, you know, I was trying to be a rapper. So I spent my time in the studio or promoting parties so people could – Are you still rapping now? I'm not rapping anymore. My br- I gave that mantle over to my younger brother. How far did you take it? Um – I mean, we had, I don't think we ever got any radio play, but the songs were in the club. So, I, younger, I don't know if the younger, younger people that might listen to know this, but I did a song with my partner, Jesse, called Freak Right. So, I know that you a Freak Right, right. So, that- Oh, that was you? Yeah, yeah. So, that became like a Howard anthem.
0: Um, Wait, did that joint drop while you was at Howard? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, QB. Oh, DJ, damn. DJ Premier That's lit. Yeah. Damn. You got a, you got a joint <laughs> on the radio? It, um, Shit, why you
1: at Howard? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. It didn't go... It, we didn't have any radio. but
0: WHBC radio play, but not any... Like, because it's radio. like, I know the two were free because you're going to let me be, right? It's something like that, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, damn. Did I didn't know that was you. It was in the clubs,
1: like, well, the Howard Party clubs, and then I promote it so like the clubs that I will promote, they would play it. So every Howard party, some Howard wedding still, they um they would play that song. So that oh, was probably
0: wow Joe, that's an anthem for real. I didn't I didn't know that, man. <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. That joint that, what year was that? We made that song in I think two thousand five. Dog, that shit went hard in Chicago, man. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah, really hard in Chicago, bro. People picked it up at Howard and took it
1: all over the country, um, to people's, you know, uh
0: laptops all over the country. So you so after that you, you decided that was it? You was like, I'm good? No, I was still I was still rapping for a few years. I ended up
1: going to NYU for music business and mm-hmm. that I kinda for seeing the business side, I kinda wanted to be less of an artist and more AR. Um which is like find an artist, develop an artist, um, sign an artist, stuff like that. So that's what I went into for a few years, a um,
0: few different labels. And then what was that like, man? Because they say in those when you work in that music business, it's hard to to really make bread, you know, at least starting off.
1: Um, it is very hard. They pay very uh, not well. What is it? <laughs> they don't <laughs> pay well at all. Um but they, you know, they preach that it's about the experience and stuff like that. I did learn a lot, um, but it's a very, there's a very high turnover. Um, like whole staffs get laid off all the time. So um, that's what ended up happening to me a couple times to where I was finally like, you know what, I want to do. It's right, the last time I got laid off is around the time 1,000 bottles started taking off. And I was like, yo, this Thousand Bottles thing, we could take this on the road, and we could do – this is before parties were going on the road. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't execute it, but we we only did – I think we did Baltimore and New York, but
0: uh, – in outside of D.C., but – That's real, because I know you use an epic, Def Jam. I mean,
2: yeah, what – who
0: who's some of the artists that you got to work with? Um, I guess the the biggest – I try to work my way up. So,
1: like – um. Adrian Balan was one that we worked with a lot. Um, Justin Bieber uh, was probably the biggest one. Well, I get Justin Bieber and Travis Scott. So I was on the teams that signed both of them. So that was two very huge figures that I got to to be around and work with. So that was that was definitely great. Um, it was mostly Travis was probably the only hip hop artist really. Well, Travis and Astro, I don't know if you remember him. He won, like, uh, he's an actor now, but he won, what was the name of the show? X Factor. Or he was one of the contestants on X Factor. So while we were there at Epic under L.A. Reid, all of the X Factor winners and, like, some of the runner-ups would come over to Epic. And so we would work on their projects.
0: So after Howard, you went straight from Howard to NYU? Yeah. Okay. Mm Right there. it was it was a good
1: New York is like a bigger DC. That's that's how I felt. Um I used to be in DC all the time. A lot of people didn't know I left until like a year after I was in grad school because I was always in DC. But, but there was a lot there was a lot of Howard alums that moved up to New York. So it was a, a great community of Howard. That this actually our I've been told by quite a few people that Howard people are two they're always around Howard people, because we used to always mob to parties together, and they thought we thought we were better than all the other h v c which is, isn't true. I mean we are better,
0: but it we didn't think that <laughs> <swear>. so <clears throat> you get out of the music biz um talk to me about um the trill I haven't experienced trill grill fest how How big is that Grill, we're up to about five thousand people now. Um, wow. So that, what, what's, the, what's like the theme and like the, the idea behind it? it? What I wanted to do was
1: bring um, Southern music to D.C. or to the North, really. So it, it actually started in, D, in New York. It was just like my birthday party. I wanted to throw all Southern music. We threw, had a barbecue. It was in this huge backyard in Brooklyn. Uh, shout out to Pete. Fame and Steve, but um, yeah, we it started off as that. It was a great time, and I was like, we could take this better. We could make let's combine a barbecue festival with a southern music festival and put it somewhere in the northeast, so people like myself who live up there but are from the south can enjoy it, but also other people can, you know, experience that culture at least like you know once
0: a year. Are you because from what I hear, man, festivals are extremely expensive? Um yeah. when you do this, did, did you have a a sponsor off bat, or is this something that you had to prove the concept first?
1: Um, well, we we had um some smaller product sponsorships starting off. It was like a, it was kind of more like a day party starting off. Um so we kind of proved the concept with that but when we went to like actually went to uh like festival grounds to do to do it um we still had some proving to do sorry we still had some proving to do so we um had some investors um leaned on friends and family and homecoming checks to produce um True Girl and you know it just kept growing and growing again that's where a lot of my you know called in favors to friends who have been working with me on different events to either promote or help do logistics or you know because you know it's like a a big party but it's in a much larger space and you also have to worry about so you have you still have to take care of the bar but i pro- provide all the product for the bar so i have to make sure i'm i have to <clears throat> excuse me. So I have to make sure I manage that. I have to manage the lines. I have to manage the artists and the DJs and the stage and all that, all the vendors and everything. So without, you know, my trail girl team, like, again, you can't do these, these big kind of things yourself.
0: Um, Girl team. And that includes <laughs> the investors. So, Damn. so how, how, um, so it's been going on for what six years now? Five years?
1: It's been going on since twenty thirteen. I think was okay. the first one we had uh, as a as a day party. So, but the festival the festival one is pro- is we had it three. We had Rick Ross the last one, Big Crib before that, and Manny First. So we've done the the full on festival for three years. And those are in New York. No, they're they're all in. Those have all been in D.C.
0: Okay. Okay. So that's dope.
1: I'm Joe Biden, candidate for president, and I approve this message. When it comes to criminal justice reform, history has not been on our side. I feel as though the nation has become desensitized, but Black people have not. As a father, I have to turn around and talk to my 12-year-old son about police interactions. It scares the hell out of me. Joe and Kamala uniquely understand the plight of what we've been going through. Those
0: are the things I do trust him with to lead us to that future. These
1: are the candidates to push Congress and say
2: we can get there. Paid for by Biden for president.
0: So you got Trill Grill Fest. And then, of course, um, after that, that's when you took the brunch game to another level. I want to say that, I mean, I don't know when day parties got popular. I think I did my first one maybe six or seven years ago. But mm. I, re- I, I remember coming to D.C. and being in Atlanta and going to day parties and trying to bring it to Chicago and not having the success. I was like, oh, shit. I like I I saw the day parties pop in Atlanta. I was like, damn, I got to bring this to Chicago. Like People kicking it during the daytime. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Now everybody does day parties. But I remember, man, trying to do it. I ran I mean, out this dope spot and it just did not crack like i thought it was and then of course a group came after me that shit was crazy <laughs> like yeah. it was it was crazy man where where the idea for the, the brunch where did that come from because i you know it's like some sometimes something could be right in front of your face and yeah. you don't even see it like because i know when i came out with the what was it the uh the bar crawl
2: mm-hmm.
0: everybody was like damn i like low low hanging fruit you know what i'm saying where did the idea for the, the brunch come from? I was definitely also salty about that one. <laughs> I was like, man, it's the perfect
1: sweet spot, the perfect thing to do during that sweet spot between Yard Fest and, and uh, Friday night. Um, but, yeah, uh, the brunch thing kind of came along. Uh, well, brunch is something, a bottomless brunch is something they do. Well, when I first did it, it was in New York. And I was living up there. um came back down to Dallas for for a year and then moved back. And my friends were going to this spot called PS450. And they would, like, play – they have a DJ through brunch. And then around a certain time, they would switch DJs, and the DJ would, like, turn all the way up. And so it became more of a party. And I was like, this is the greatest thing I have ever seen in my yeah. life eat (laughs) I get to drink I get to party and then when I'm done I still got the whole night ahead of me I was like this is amazing um and so that's when well we did that for a while but it was me and and my business partner Lael we were um always standing on couches uh us amongst a a bunch of other people but we were always standing on couches getting bottles at the at the brunch we're like we should monetize this we're bringing 30 40 50 people to brunch to <laughs> hang out with us why The turning, right I was like why are we monetizing this like and so you know again took a leap of faith and I mean the brunches are a little bit different because you don't have to like build out space the first ones we did in New York it, it kind of they it took a while for them to grow but by the time we got to DC like it just kind of took off and brush cans were born.
0: Dope being able to throw events in, in different markets. Um where where do you see um events and parties going now? You know, I mean I know we got virtual stuff going on, but mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know how how sustainable that is and, and and how profitable that could be, but where where do you see events going? Um
1: I think that. Events will eventually come. I think there'll be a vaccine eventually, or you know, is it what they call it, herd immunity? That there, eventually there'll be a point, I believe, when people are able to go back outside freely. And I think that events are going and festivals, stuff like that, are going to come back. But what I do think is going to happen is that they're going to have a virtual component because I think virtual components to events are relatively inexpensive especially if you're making a profit from selling physical tickets and merch on site but it opens up the door for a lot more people to get some kind of experience and even more than that the number the numbers and the metrics rise right so if i'm a sponsor and i want to invest in an event and i mm-hmm. want five million eyes on it you know you're not going to be able to do that in a 5000 person capacity venue but by adding a virtual component then maybe i can get up to that five thousand, you know impressions or whatever and then i can fulfill that that um kpi that the sponsor wants when i can still have my event and we can i still get paid (laughs) you know so i think events are going to come back but i think they're going to people are going to figure out a way hopefully it's me to (laughs) to continue to have a virtual component um that I can monetize it it with sponsors, maybe even with consumers, but definitely I think it's gonna be big on the list of, of sponsors because just in my field now, like we're having to re-figure out how we do our benchmarks. Like how many people nobody knew how many people were good, like how many viewers was good for a virtual festival until people started doing virtual festivals. So this is all like new stuff. Um, it's a new territory. Um, But people are figuring it out. There's a lot of smart people. Um,
0: So I think virtual component, I don't think is going anywhere, but I do think physical is going to come back. And at at your events, um, is, is it important for you to know, for you, for people to know that you're the person behind the event?
1: Um. Not for, for me. I think it's important that people know the brand that's behind the event and that it created a, a great experience. I think that I, um, for them knowing that Steve did the event is not important to me. The, the stakeholders, it's important for them to know that Steve is behind that brand that did the event. Like the, you know, the sponsors, the, the venues, the vendors. But as far as everybody out in the crowd that's enjoying themselves and having a great time, I just want them to know that
0: TGL put on the event and that they can trust TGL as a brand. Well, I do want to ask you this. Do you think you'll ever own a venue? That is one of my goals. Um, I want to own a –
1: I actually want to own a restaurant, and I want to own a club. So, um Yeah. That's definitely. I see that in my future. It's all about saving up, and then that's that's going to be another one of those big risks. You know, take a leap of faith and do. But yeah, I definitely, I definitely see that in my future. A
0: restaurant like a park, a restaurant like a point. Um, like what? What type of? I think that
1: I would definitely the like a, a park would be like both and i can just do it all at once but um i have i don't know it's in my my dream i don't know why Is to do like a barbecue and bourbon spot so something that's kind of more of like um good barbecue watching sports you might have some music playing in the background but not as like big and
2: huge as part
0: but um in terms of advice man what 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 advice would you give the 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 eighteen year old Steve coming to Howard right now? Oh wow. Um learn the code <laughs> immediately.
1: Um definitely uh relation, again, relationships is very important, are very important, excuse me. Um so definitely make sure you maintain your relationships. Um Everything isn't about money. Um, a lot of, a lot of uh, things are about the experience, especially for the consumer. So um, you have to make sure that the people that you do invite out, I, this is 18-year-old, want to be a promoter, Steve. Uh, a lot of people are going to come out and remember, if, if, they re- if they remember that they had a great experience, they'll forget how much they had to pay for it. But if they have a bad experience, they'll never forget how much they pay for. it. So that would be a thing. And then just look into other opportunities that may be similar to what you're doing, that you get like, a way to um, use that same skill set, but to do other things that you may be able to get a check with, like consulting um, for other. There may be somebody that has a lot of money that wants to put on a festival but has no idea how to do it you could go consult with that and, um, or, you know, you may be able to do some graphic design or some marketing for somebody. Um, maybe you want to use, use the data and the people that you collect while you have that influence in their ear to create a product like shameless plug, Ivy and Allen candles. Um, you know, stuff like that. Like don't try to think five steps ahead because right now it will, five, 10 years from now, you'll be saying right now was the good old days. That was one of the quotes that one of my homeboys told me. He's like, we were all sitting around 10 Rhode Island where we used to throw hella house parties. And he was like, one day we're gonna look back and say these were the good old days. So try to enjoy the time you're in right now and think, but also think five steps ahead business-wise because that's the only way you're gonna be able to get ahead and have edge on people is if you're thinking five
2: steps ahead as to like what would I want to do, you know, five years from now.
0: What and and uh and I, I couldn't agree agree more with that man. Um in terms of like things you got going on right now, what are some some projects that you know we should look out for?
1: Um well can't cancel homecoming is our uh homecoming Uh, virtual experience this year. So all the parties we normally do, the ones we talked about, Thousand Bottles, old Howard Gala, latex, stuff like that. We're going to do all those virtual. And then we're um, selling along. They're all free, but we have some accompanying merch that's going along with that. Uh, Megan Mitchell, who also went to Howard, um, she created, she started a company called St. Kitts. And we're doing virtual, uh, we're doing experience kits for homecoming. So they'll co- they'll have the Ivy and Allen candle in them. They'll have uh, a cocktail kit that's sponsored by Diageo. It's going to uh, be by Crown Royal. And then um, some other things like sunglasses, Bill, They'll have, you know, um, some wearable stuff. But it's... It, It'll all come in a box. We're also selling the candles. We have a homecoming line of candles. We're doing a collection, um, a VIP game day and tell uh, VIP game day and friendly reunion candle. So they all come in a set, but it's going to give you the whole vibe of homecoming. So those are the kind of the ways we're, you know, um, trying to make a little bit of money. Again, the virtual experiences are um, free. And then we're also giving back 10% of everything we make uh, to Howard. So um, back to either Howard University or our local alumni associations. So um, yeah, man, that's that's kind of what we got going now, man. Um, the candles has been a real big thing for me during quarantine, just trying to like, pivot from uh, my physical events, trying to find something else, another passion, and so that's worked out pretty good um for Ivy and Allen. And um yeah, man, the most immediate thing is the Can't Cancel Homecoming, Can't Cancel Homecoming dot com. Shout out to Chubby Swag, Premonition, Jordan Jetson. Um
2: yeah. So uh October sixteenth through the eighteenth. So it's going down.
0: Who um so uh fifty. 50- plus years from now man what are what are people saying about about Steve Owens? Ooh, uh
1: I hope they're not singing freak right. Uh I don't want that to be my only legacy. But uh 50 plus years from now,
2: I'm hoping they're saying that um I was a good upstanding Christian man, um, entrepreneur, restaurant venue owner. Um and that I have some, you know, some
1: bison kids that are also following in my footsteps and,
0: you know, going out to be uh, productive members of their society, their communities. Oh man, hey, bro, you've been a, a great guest, man. I want to do some, some Howard trivia real quick. Oh, see okay. what you know about the university. I wasn't prepared. This nice one, All right, man. <laughs> so um we'll 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 make it pretty easy for you man. So the first question is uh what year was Howard founded? 1867. Is it is that one of your parties too? Huh? No. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's not. But that's a good that's a good idea.
2: <laughs> um what's the Howard motto? Uh H U, you know. <laughs> truth <laughs> truth, truth, truth <laughs> and service. <laughs> <Ain't> <laughs>
0: true, you know. this service. Um, what body of water is located closest to Howard?
2: Um, the it, the Atlantic Ocean.
0: <laughs> the reservoir. The reservoir. <laughs> oh, that does that count as a,
1: does that count as a body of water? I was thinking about that, I but I was like, wait, what? Okay. My bad. You could have no, said the Potomac, cut, though. <laughs> we'll cut out this.
0: Time. Atlantic Ocean. I, it, I love it. it. That's the first time I heard that one. <laughs> um, how do you spell Crampton? Um,
2: C R A M T O N. Correct. Correct. Got it. Okay. I was trying. I was like, is there a P?
0: No. Okay. <laughs> Uh, Finish this sentence. Reared
2: against the eastern sky. Um, Against the eastern sky. I know it's on Hilltop High. Um, Reared against the eastern sky. Proudly there on Hilltop High. There you go. There you go. What's the black national anthem um, why can't I you just like blame me i i can i'm singing in my head uh, uh lift every voice and sing there you go
0: um who was howard named after
2: um General, wait, General Howard. We got to cut all this out. Um, <laughs> 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 um Okay, man, Gen- general, general Oliver Otis Howard. Oliver Otis
0: Howard. I knew it was a general and I knew it was white, but I couldn't think of the name. Okay. Um, Who's the president of Howard? Right now, currently,
2: yeah, uh, President Frederick Wayne Wayne A. Frederick, Doctor. Correct. Yeah. Um, how many schools and colleges at Howard? Ooh,
0: I want to say thirteen. Oh, that's right, man. Good stuff. Okay, got it. Good stuff, man. Last one. What's what's the zip code at Howard? Two zero 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 one. Two zero zero five nine. Two zero zero five nine? Are you sure? Two zero zero five nine, man.
2: <sighs> okay. All right. Is a Next is
0: uh, rapid fire. <laughs> you about to Google it like, no. Nah, this- <laughs> 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 All right, rapid fire, man. Um, U Street. So rapid fire is basically you just give an answer. Okay. okay? Without Without an explanation. Uh, U Street or Adams Morgan? U Street. Is uh, who you know or what you know?
2: Who you know. Is homecoming better as a student or as an alum? Alum. Biggest loss you ever took? Biggest loss at Howard? Uh, Biggest loss. Uh, Hey, or just period, um, the biggest loss I ever taken was I'm not gonna say what event it was,
1: but i i'll I'll just leave it at an event that everybody looked on and thought was very successful was very
0: unsuccessful. Is awesome. <laughs> biggest biggest bag you ever took?
1: Biggest bag. I'm not gonna say which
0: one it was, but definitely thousand bottles. You gotta start one, bench one, cut one. You got okay. freshman orientation, homecoming, and graduation.
2: Oh, uh, you s- start one, bench one. So you start homecoming. You bench oh. Hmm. Dang. That's a tough one. You got I think I'm gonna bench. I think I'm
1: gonna bench graduation and I'm gonna uh I'm sorry, I'm gonna cut graduation
2: and bench uh freshman week. Freshman yeah. orientation. How is this? Orient- go
0: ahead. No, I was gonna say. Mine to start that two that first two weeks was so lit to me. Yeah, Um, freshman morning it was so much fun, man. And you know, it's only life. one. It was just it was a game changer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But but I yeah, feel like I got so
1: many graduations now that this is whatever. But yeah, that fr- that first that first couple of weeks at fr- at Howard, it just it changed your whole. Well, it changed my whole life. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was like, yo, it's different here. Like, I ain't never been no <laughs> shit like this before. This is different. Even if yeah. I try to go back home and explain it to my boys, I, I couldn't even. I'm just like, yo, y'all got to come and see. Um, Howard men don't cheat.
2: I don't see a lie in that.
0: When did you find your
2: voice? Oh. Um, I think it was when I started rapping.
1: When I started rapping and, ra- and writing rhymes, that's when I found my voice.
0: When did you realize you were the shit?
2: Mm. Um, when I started rapping. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I had to, at that point I had to be the shit. So if I wanted to, if I wanted to believe in myself, so yeah. But I, I'll go a little bit further on now. Know it's rapid fire, but I think once I went to Howard and I took a because I didn't know if I was gonna bring rap from high school to Howard. When I came to Howard and people from outside of Texas and all around the country were vibing
2: to some of the songs I was doing, I was like, okay, now I think I think this is something I could get used to. So you got
0: to start one, bench one, cut one. You got uh Ho Chi, Cluck You, China Wonder.
2: Okay, I'm gonna start. Say it again. Is Ho Chi Cluck You
1: and China Wonder? Yep. I'm cutting China Wonder. I'm. Um, dang. I'm going to start Ho Chi and bench Clucky.
0: Man, Clucky was so good. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Um, What's the hardest part of being a boss? Mm, uh, uh, The hardest part of being a boss
2: is being... It's, uh, I guess it would be being the boss of
1: your friends. So when you work with your friends and having to make, like, tough decisions about, you know, business decisions while keeping your friendship in mind. And sometimes business
2: decisions hurt people, hurt your friendships. So I would say that's the, the hardest part. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely, man. No, nah, no, nah, it's tough because it's it's not personal. Yeah, it's 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 business. So definitely understand exactly. that, man. So, yo, man, you've been a great ho- a, a great host, man. I appreciate you, uh, a great guest, I should say. Um, yeah, you've been you coming host. on, man. Thank you for taking time out. I've been trying to connect connect with you for a minute.
1: Thank you, and thank you for being patient. I I wanted to make sure I had enough to talk about when to get the Ivy and Allen stuff and the Can't Cancel Homes coming stuff going and to make sure I was a, um, you know,
0: decent enough guest. So if if folks want to get in touch with you and, um, you know, get in tune with your parties or or even Ivy and Allen, how would they do that?
1: Uh, Instagram is the best way, man. Follow The Gift of Life um, on Instagram. Follow Ivy and Allen on Instagram. Um or go to can'tcancelhomecoming.com if you really want to know what's going on this year, what we got going this year for homecoming. Got him up, man.
0: Thanks again, man, Steve Owens, aka Diddy, man. Thanks for <laughs> Thanks for thank thanks for coming through. aka J Prince, man. Appreciate you, bro. <laughs> I
1: appreciate it, big bro. Good looking out.
0: Thank you for joining the HU Movemaker podcast where we highlight folks that have contributed To the Howard legacy at the highest levels. To hear more interviews or purchase merchandise, please visit www.huMoveMakers.com.